You shouldn't launch something just once. Like you should be launching it over and over. It's a continual process. My recommendation is usually your own blog post written in your own voice, drive traffic back to your website. Remus, do you want to debate that at all? That my voice is great? Yes, I, I can debate that all day long because it is great. Probably want to pitch the reporter 10 to 14 days ahead of time. They likely are attending conferences. Breaking news could happen that week. So give them time to write your article. I think that a thing to be conscious of is conferences and other news. Hi, I'm Craig Kirsteins. And I'm Remus Silkaitis. And you're listening to Practical Product, a bi-weekly series where we discuss product management and some of the unique challenges we face in dealing with defining the right product and all of the coordination necessary to help teams build it right. Practical Product is brought to you by HeavyBit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on this show, or if you have a specific topic you'd like us to dive into, you can reach us at practicalproduct@heavybit.com or on Twitter at Practical Product. Great. We're back this week with another episode of Practical Product. This week we've got myself and... Hi, my name is Malia and I manage PR here at HeavyBit. Oh, welcome. And I'm Remus for everyone that forgot. Cool. So uh, you manage PR at HeavyBit. What's your background kind of before that? Yeah, so previously I was at a very large global PR agency, Hill & Milton Strategies, and I primarily worked on enterprise tech clients, kind of some of the giants of the industry, VMware, Salesforce, Brocade. So as a startup, they would hire you and you would magically get them press? Correct. At that point, they weren't necessarily startups, though. Uh, they were definitely some very large startup, I guess you could call those, that okay, have already how, IPO'd. Yeah, so having done a lot of PR... Like I, I'm sure you get a lot of interesting questions around like sure. from startups. How do I get press? Like I build a product. First thing I do. Like what are some of those common questions that you like? First thing in talking to a startup. Can what, I just throw money at it? Is that is that how this works? I mean, yeah. I, I think that's a perception to a lot, right? So yeah. So oftentimes founders will come and say, "I want press," and the first thing. I usually say back is why do you want press? Like, what is the number one reason? Is it customer acquisition? Is it talent? So usually it's kind of drilling into those reasons of why they're looking for press um, is my number one. But ultimately, press can be used for a variety of different functions throughout your organization. Do most uh, founders or startup individuals or even product people know know the answer to that question when they talk to you? They talk through it. I think it's a little bit surprising at first just to answer that question like duh, like of course we want press for it's going to be the silver bullet to all of my problems. And then you kind of explain that, you know, a hit in a traditional media outlet's not going to really result in traffic to your website. Meanwhile, you can go to maybe a product hunt or hacker news and do a full content strategy and that might result in more customer signups. So talking up through the different channels that there's not just one channel for PR oftentimes is kind of a light bulb moment. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think you know it used to be like what uh, online publications can cover me, right? Sure. Now it's probably shifted a little bit. I think Hacker News is an interesting one. That comes up quite a bit in a lot of conversations I have with people of how do I get on the front page of Hacker News, which will absolutely drive some traffic to you. But let's let's be clear about that, though. You know, if you're going to do something on Hacker News, you're typically going to be uh, a company whose services, especially if we're talking about the services that you're providing as a company, are targeted at that audience, right? Not necessarily that by putting something on Hacker News, just whatever your business may be, if it's for, I don't know, underwear on demand, Hacker News might not be the place for that. 
Yeah, I think that comes back to the the earlier point of like why are you trying to get press, right? Like sure. if you're trying to get your engineering blog on Hacker News for hiring, that's that absolutely makes sense. Yep. Um, if your you know consumer products may not necessarily make sense to uh, acquire customers on Hacker News. Okay, so I just want to be clear: we're defining who the audience that we're going after here, right? I mean, granted, this is a heavy bit yep. podcast, but so we're we're generally talking about. Software and services for developer and developer like tools. Is that as correct? overrated as developer tools are, yes, we're, <laughs> that's that's the one we're talking about here. Yeah, okay, I cool. think um, also Hacker News has content that does well is just like entrepreneurship in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I think YC's influence over Hacker News has like things start of hot startups often do well, like or even bigger startups like SpaceX, things like that. Stripe's been up there a lot, and then yeah, like anything tagged YC, um, just a new startup. In addition to hacker developer news, does well. Okay, so, but but I think you're implying just a little bit that if you're like super early stage company and it, if it's about, about entrepreneurship, that you possibly might get some traction if you go after the hacker news crowd. Is that correct? With the right content. Okay. Um, okay. Fair. Yeah. Okay. As usual, it depends. <laughs> yep. Man, if we could only rename the show, it depends. One of these days. One of these days. All right. So say we have this great piece of content that we think is like. Hacker News Gold. Um, what kind of strategies do you have for time of post? You know, there's a pretty strict algorithm. People get uh, flagged often, uh, especially in the heavy bit building. So, very interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Well, so I want to actually, before we dive into that, I think you hit on something there. That's an assumption that people need to make sure, like, you have a good piece of content. Sure. Who determined that was a good piece of content? I think actually that's maybe one of the most important things to think about before you try to say, how do I get traffic from Hacker News? Or any other kind of social channel, is it a good piece of content? And you should make sure you have that validation, right? I mean, just because I say it's a good piece of content, doesn't that mean it's good already? Right. So I mean, I think you know my usual process there is uh, to not trust Remus <laughs> and to talk to you know ten other developers, right? Like, are developers interested in sharing it? Like, is the internal pulse around it exciting? If they're looking at it like it's a marketing piece, and your you know head of marketing wrote it. It may not be the right audience to kind of push at Hacker News, right? So there's definitely that premature, is it a good piece of content or not? And have you actually tested that? Yeah, I largely agree with that as well. I, I think you know the, the content can take many forms. I also want to point that out. It's not necessarily just blog posts, writing, things like that. You can do videos, other stuff like that. But uh, yeah, in general, I think if uh, you go to your cohort, right, whatever, whoever that network may be, and they say it's cool, you know, then then I think you've got something. Yep, I think that makes a lot of sense. But then coming back to, I think the the piece is like, okay, now you do have a piece of good content. How do you get it up there? Sure. Well, if I have a good piece of content, don't I just submit and that's it? I just you know hope for the best at that point. I mean, it's community driven, right? I think there is a good bit of hope with with Hacker News. Yes, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there there is no guaranteed. You know, at the end of the day, they are trying like. It's a good source of traffic from developers, right? But I, I think you you need to also step back and take a pulse of like Tuesday morning is probably the highest traffic time on Hacker News, is my guess. Sure. Um, probably Tuesday between Thursday. It's when most people try to launch things. Like if you get on there at 8 a.m. Pacific time, you're going to be on there all day Pacific. You're going to get some of the East Coast crowd. Like you can have a really long time on there, which is more overall traffic. There's also the flip side of that that that's probably the most competitive time to try to get on. Like guess what? You're not the only one that probably thinks Tuesday to Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific is the the best time to get on there. 
Well, seeing as though in past episodes we talk about working with engineering and when to launch features and things like that, it sounds like all the competition is going to be within those three days. So, what do I do? So, if it's a really big launch, really good thing. Like, I think if you you've done the other things, right? It's not just about Hacker News. Like Hacker News, you're going to get some some traction on, but you've got to do everything else. Like, you've got to do you do an email drop to your customers? You know, yep. um, are they submitting it as well? You're not asking them for it because. They're probably not active on Hacker News if you're going and asking them, right? That actually kind of presupposes a thing. You should be active in the community anyways. If you think it's a good community, you should submit things that aren't just your own blog posts. I think it's the number one thing I see. Uh, I mean, it's fine to submit mine. They're great. I, I mean, I, I, I try to submit your stuff, but you beat me to it all the time. Uh, I'll, I'll let you have the next one. <laughs> but actively engage with the community, right? Like, Is there good stuff that you should actively share? Sure. Um, if you're not actively part of the community, why do you get special treatment when you launch a big product, right? Okay, so so it sounds like what you're implying here is that uh, if I want to get traction in any one of these places, whether it be Product Hunt or even Hacker News, yep. that I really need to make an investment in being a part of everything that's going on there, not just submitting links and hoping for the best, but actually engaging in conversation and 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 going beyond that, providing conversation that is substantive. Not just, you know, frivolous drivel or anything else like that. Yeah, I think the conversation part is huge. Like actually being there, answering questions, being positive is a big, big part of it. I'd be curious. So, what have you seen from startups that have like tried that have been successful, and then the ones that have tried and, yeah. and not been so successful? Yeah, completely agree. If you're a community engager, um, it usually means you understand what kind of content as well. The voice that. Of the developers on this platform, I've seen a lot of articles get killed by the Hacker News algorithm. Founders come in and they're really excited about this article, and naturally will you know send it on their Slack channel. So Hacker News will only count one vote per IP address. So that's a quick way to quickly get flagged by Hacker News um, and the algorithm. One strategy that I have seen that has worked well is that putting together a list of influencers in your network across different IP addresses, and then when the news goes live, emailing them, not sharing a link because that link doesn't work, but saying we're on the front page of Hacker News, upvotes appreciated, has helped at least go from like latest to front page. But to Remus's point, it's content ultimately, good content. Is it critical that I end up on the front page if I want to see some traffic? I don't know. I've never dug into numbers. Or you're saying that everything you do ends up on the front page. Is that right? I wish. I wish. <laughs> that, that would be the dream. Um, I think front page equates with more traffic. Okay. Um, but if you're getting a couple clicks from some prospective customers that from not the front page, I mean, that could be just as valuable. Okay. So where I end up. Relative to that front page, may or may not be a good thing. It really just depends on, I think, going back to goals, mm-hmm. what you want to accomplish. I think maybe if it's exposure, front page might make a lot of sense. But if you're really trying to convert some traffic or something into actual customers, it may not be a big deal so long as you're converting those individuals into whatever, maybe a sign up or something else. Correct. Yeah. And I think on you know that big launch, you know, the founder's super excited. He really mm-hmm. wants to make it work, maybe forces it. Almost a little too much at times. I mean, I think it's interesting to take a step back and say, is this really going to compete with the SpaceX launch that's happening right now? Yep. Hey, guess what? Maybe Friday afternoon isn't an awful time 
when SpaceX isn't launching something and there's a live stream of it. Maybe, you know, for my engineering blog posts, that's a really good opportunity to, if I, my goal is hiring, right? What's happening interesting from the engineering reading perspective, maybe even on the weekend? I'm not a big fan of product launches on the weekend, right? Give the team their time off. But for publishing interesting content, there is less traffic, but there's less competition too. I uh, do want to point out that you, I think, are alluding to something here, which is you may be able to decouple when you talk about something in the in the press or in these communities versus launching products, right? You may launch something on a Tuesday, maybe it might be a silent GA, something like that, and then you decide, oh well, you know, maybe we'll post on Hacker News on a Friday night or a Saturday or or something else like that. So there's definitely ways it sounds like to or permutations and and do and pulling this off. Yeah, yeah, completely. I think it's um, and one, you shouldn't launch something just once. Like you should be launching it over and over and over. You should have other stories around it. Like a launch isn't a one-day thing, a one-time thing. It's a continual process. Yeah. And Hacker News is just kind of one outlet there that you should actively be engaging in. I think the other thing is, are you paying attention to other conversations that are happening around similar things? Like when there's a question, when there's a show, Hacker News that are related, tangential. Are you kind of being that that voice there? Yeah, another question I get um, often is when you do do a launch and you have multiple, you have a media article, you have a blog post, which do you post to Hacker News? Uh, my recommendation is usually your own blog post, right, and in your own voice, drive traffic back to your website. Remus, do you want to debate that at all? That my voice is great? Yes, I, I can debate that all, all day long because it is great. Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> I think your blog post is the most definitive thing. One thing I have seen sometimes take off is TechCrunch articles. Uh, well, Sometimes. hold on, hold on. Going back to the blog post thing, are we talking about your personal blog that you're doing this stuff on, or should this be part of the company's Com- company blog? Company blog. Okay, so if if I write the my company's blog and this is you know post number one, I mean, is, do I have to worry about that? And that's in that scenario that I just created this blog just now just for this one thing, or should I have some more stuff there before I start thinking about posting to these sites like Hacker News? I think it goes back to if you've been a Active contributor in the okay. community that holds a lot of clout. If not, I'd probably, if it's blog post number one, ask someone in your network to maybe post that first one, start driving traffic there. Meanwhile, you continue to gauge with that community and build yourself up, and then within no time, with good content, you okay, should so it sounds have like your own platform. It sounds like I need some credibility before. You know, if, if this is the company's first blog post, probably not a good idea. <laughs> I, I think so. All right. All right. So we've hit on a lot of hacker news. Yep. What other channels do people ask about or think about? Product Hunt. So, Product Hunt, oftentimes people want to launch their company the same day as their seed funding announcement, just drive as much traffic as possible that day. So, I get a lot of questions on like, what's the strategy there? And there's some basic things that you can do find an influencer that can hunt your product. Be available that day as the maker. Post immediately. Um, post at midnight to hit all the markets. Twenty four hours on that day and the next day. Product hunt's a big one, and it's a little bit easier to have a community around product hunt. They're not as strict on sharing. They're, you're not going to necessarily get flagged for self promotion. Yeah, I think the team there is is pretty open to it. You know, mm-hmm. they as long as you engage. Um, I think actually for the podcast, we were very lucky that I think uh, Heat and Shaw hunted our first one. That you know, 
Heaton's a friend that has you know a nice big following. I think something like a hundred thousand Twitter followers. So like a good reach. And then suddenly it's like, oh, okay, great. We were number one, I think, in the podcast for that week or that day. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, as we should be, but <laughs> but it was still like you know a lot of good notice and. I think for a lot of developer companies, they don't think about it as much. Like, there's definitely the pull on the consumer side there, but there's still a big kind of developer community, and it's uh, an interesting one because I, I think you know, from the Citus standpoint, when we've launched things there, major product announcements, it's a completely different audience than we got from Hacker News, and it was much more customer oriented. Of like, there's a interest to buy there. Interesting. Yeah. The Developer tool category has, I believe, around 50,000 followers and over 2,500 uh, companies that have launched within it. Wow. So it's a strong community. And also, if you subscribe to the newsletter, oftentimes the product hunt team will do like a dev tool special and the off chance that you can get included in that. Some additional promo for doing very little, but getting tagged in that category when you submit. If I'm launching a product though, and I'm looking to get signups, is Product Hunt really the best place to do that? My perception, and the reason I'm asking, is because you know I've done product launches at other you know companies and mm-hmm. other places and other outlets, and sometimes you launch in these places, and these aren't necessarily the customers that you want signing up for your product, and or they may sign up, but then they're gone, you know, a week later. Yeah, I recently did a product launch for a seed company. Um, they were targeting very specific video developers. Got media coverage across major outlets, um, and Product Hunt and Hacker News were their two main draws of customer. They had a lot of signups, and I think 15% converted, which was a couple hundred thousand if things go well in ARR. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer your question, I've seen the right audience in Product Hunt okay. signing up f- for the beta. So Product Hunt sounds like an interesting and possibly right audience for actually revenue and customers. It sounds like you don't have to worry about some of the same kind of flagging issues. What are some yeah. of the best practices though? That like, because I think it's very different than Hacker News. You engage in a slightly different way. What do you need to do to actively engage in that community? It's like Hacker News in the sense that you need to build. You can't just be pushing your product all the time. Hunt other people, comment, just be active, um, show your voice, and then when it does come to that your day that you actually do launch, be just as active. Spend most of the morning answering questions, pinging people. This sounds like quite a time investment. Can we create a new product here? <laughs> like, well, what what should we call it? It's like uh, engagement as a service, maybe. Can, a new category, you can isn't that what some P- bots? that's what PR <laughs> magically does, right? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've heard from a little bit of the team there of like there are some good best practices, you know, one actively engaged. Like the best thing you can do when you submit yours is post the first comment, say hey, we're here, we're listening, come chat with us. They especially enjoy that. Another thing that I actually thought was interesting cuz you know, Citus is a distributed database. Like we're we're a database, we're not visual people, but they're like, do you have an animated gif to show? Like a, a good high quality high res uh, image. Which is really surprising to me, but they, I forget if they shared any numbers with me, but they're like, anything with an animated GIF um, as kind of like a, whether it's a demo of your product, spend a little time like prepping kind of that video stuff, does massively better. I don't know what the percentages were, but those do massively better. Mm-hmm. And the ad space itself, it's a specific size. Um, so if 
you have an image, have your designer create one that will fit so it's not like cut off when you're just looking at your company. Yeah, I think I've been guilty of, of uploading one of the cut off ones before. So like spend some time <laughs> ahead of time prep, right? Uh, all these things should be done not that morning when you're scrambling to try to submit things. Like have it all lined up ahead of time. Wait, did, didn't we have a, an episode where we talked about product launches and you're supposed to do all this work ahead of time? I thought you were supposed to do it the morning of. No. <laughs> uh, okay, so we talked about product hunt a little bit. We talked about Hacker News. I think Craig, you'd mentioned that there was a, another outlet here that I, that I personally would like to cover. Um, you mentioned TechCrunch, right? To me, TechCrunch feels more like a, a traditional media outlet in that it's not the same type of community atmosphere that you would find on Hacker News and or Product Hunt. Can you kind of walk me through some? Yes, maybe similarities or differences in that regard, and how those audiences react to, you know, any any yeah. press that or any information that shows up there relative to your company. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on in that it's different communities. So TechCrunch is a general audience, um, still technology, but it's not going to be your Hacker News dev. So general meaning like you have Node developers and Java developers, or general in what sense? <laughs> general in that. A lot of people reading TechCrunch don't know what Node or Java is. Like very general. There's consumer apps on there. I don't understand. Um, there's people. There's there's people like that <laughs> in the world. So yeah. so, it, but it's still a pretty technical uh, or entrepreneurial audience, right? Yeah, I'd say it's a very Silicon Valley audience. Okay. Um, technical chops. Uh, a lot of venture attention from it. I think it's great for recruitment. I haven't seen it necessarily drive major customer acquisition for companies. It's more of a great general awareness thing, SEO play. When you say it doesn't drive acquisition, it doesn't drive kind of that immediate acquisition. Like you don't see the the sign up right away. Immediate, correct. But I think you call that brand awareness, right? Is that is that something that this does for you? Like you you get on TechCrunch and it's a way just so that your the the name of your company and the name of your products permeate the. Psyche of the technology. Yeah, yeah, it's a great vanity metric. It's great for every time you type it into Google, it's going to populate as one of the first things you see about the company. So, from an SEO standpoint, and it, awesome. it does help with acquisition from that long tail sum, right? Like, not to directly diminish it. It's, I think, when you say, you know, it's a, a different audience, a more general audience, it's, you know, there's directors of IT, there's maybe CTOs reading it that aren't doing code on an active. Basis. There's heads sure. of marketing that have influence in some of these, you know, products. So, like those people have influence in a buying decision. If you, you know, as you grow and have bigger deals, right? Correct. So there are comments at the end of any of the blog or the what do they call them? The posts on uh, on TechCrunch. Or do we? Do you need to be actively engaged in those? I don't. I've never been asked that. I don't particularly read them. Okay, so it sounds like no. So yeah. it, sounds, it sounds like not the same way you engage yeah. with product hunt hacker news. Yeah, they seem to be always a little bit trolly, negative from what I've read. But I'll be the first to admit I don't. I haven't spent a lot of time reading. There's them. never troll comments on hacker news <laughs> or the internet in general, right? So we talked about hacker news, write really good content, build a good product, and kind of build a community on product hunt, TechCrunch. How do you get on there? Like, what's that process? Because that's a I think I get the others. Like it's votes, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's how you get on the rest of these. What is the process for getting on a, a TechCrunch look like? Yeah, I think there's a couple different. So are you thinking product launch, funding announcement, just in general? 
Yeah, I think, you know, all of the above a little all bit, right? Above, like, yeah. I think there's actually a, a really good talk in the Heavy Bit Library talking about the the seven press APIs. Yep. So there's like a funding announcement, there's a product launch, there's an acquisition, there's a partnership. I forget all of them. Yeah. Um, a really good talk by Adam Gross that kind of walks through these and how they rank. Like, there's one that's, I think, much easier, but given any of them, how do you go about the process? Yeah, so they're usually different buckets. So it's going to be major company news, product launch, like you said, acquisition, funding. TechCrunch is a very venture-based outlet, so funding its own bucket. And then you'll have like a thought whole thought leadership um, that you can comment on recent events, things like that. Talking about product launches, funding announcement, um, research, research who is covering you. Say your serverless platform. See, see who's written about the serverless landscape um, recently on TechCrunch. If you do this, you'll probably see that it's Ron Miller or Frederick Lernidos at the outlet. So you know, start reading, start following them, start retweeting them, start engaging in conversation if you can. Oftentimes, they are not local, so see what city they're on. If you happen to be there, um, just shoot them an email. TechCrunch especially has gotten better. Our, most media outlets actually now usually have their reported email address and their Twitter bio are easily accessible in their outlet bio. Um, so if you can, start building a relationship there if you don't have outside PR help. And then, so once you kind of put together a list of, you know, these are the reporters that are interested in this kind of topic, you need to develop your story, which actually should be going on simultaneously, building like how you're going to be messaging your product or your funny announcement, what you want the world to know. And then from that, figuring out like what's my press hook, what's going to be interesting to the press, um, how does it fit into the greater industry landscape. So let me retrace some of that. So it sounds like uh, most reporters have a, a common beat. Like it's not like I can hit any one of them, right? Like this yeah. is who's the reporter for my area? Then how do I start to engage with them, right? You shouldn't just do it cold. Some have very different styles. Some like to, um, actually I know Ron likes to do a lot of research really in depth and drill in. Like yep. He doesn't want you to send over a, here's my three bullet points. He wants to drill in and ask questions and be on the phone with you for an hour and then go back and do some further research. So he likes to be pretty in depth. Others I know want the bullet points, want to sit in a cave and write and have their style. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to develop a little bit of that over time. Like you're not going to have that on day one, Maybe unless you work with the PR agency, right? Yep. So that's one thing that you kind of hit on of like, what if you do have a PR agency? What if you don't? How do you how do you handle that piece? Yeah. If you don't, you can start building those relationships, like I said, via meetings, following on Twitter. Um, start just following them in general. Shoot a note, um, quick introduction, and then try and send useful information that might be good for them. Um, if they've written an article, comment on it, shoot them an email and be like, I thought this was interesting for these reasons. As much as possible, try and just understand where their mindset is, understand where their interests are, how they tick, and then structure your pitch for when it comes time for potentially them to write about you. Um, you can kind of fit into Yeah, I think Twitter's a great one. Twitter, like they're accessible, they're engaging, like just be active, though I think this is starting to now sound a little similar again to Hacker News and and Product Hunt of, hey, you have to engage, you have to be active, you can't just show up and have it happen. Can you engage too much? I think so. These reporters are busy. Like They get hundreds of emails a day. So you need to understand your place in their 
greater day to day. And even when it comes to pitching, if you don't hear back, give them a couple of days. Don't call them that afternoon. So that's a, a one I'm curious on. On pitching, do you follow up? When? How far out do you pitch? Like, what's the timeline there? It's going to be depending on what the news is. Um, if it's major breaking news, how quickly the deadline is. Uh, your if you're required, can you delay the acquisition until they're ready to write about it? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that, that one's out. <laughs> uh, yeah, that one is out. Um, so your question is, like, how, how far out do you try to even pitch them on it? When you, whether it's a, if it's a cold yeah. email or a friendly email or working with a PR company, how far out do you do that first pitch? And then, what if you don't hear back? When do you, when do you follow up? So it depends on the news. Like major news that's going to be breaking in a couple of days. I'd follow up a couple times, maybe even later that afternoon, the next morning. A reporter at that point is going to be like very gracious of the relationship. You should have one. Um, and like, is that that's like a major news? Nudge. Is that a product launch? No, or, like no, okay. probably more like a major acquisition. Um, okay. Maybe a partnership with like a Google or Amazon, but a big one, just like industry shaking things that would probably hit the first page of Tech Meme. Okay. Um, product launch um, or even funding announcement. Probably want to pitch the reporter ten to fourteen days ahead of time. Uh, let them know this news is coming out. That you'd love a pre-brief the next week. They likely are attending conferences, have other breaking news. They, breaking news could happen that week, so give them time to write your article. You hit on one thing right there. I think that that's very a con- uh, thing to be conscious of is conferences and other news, mm-hmm. um, especially I think with TechCrunch. Right, you know we're about to have uh, Dreamforce, you know Oracle Open World. Like no matter what happens at those, there's probably something there. There's a good chance they're covering right. Yeah. Uh, during reInvent, guess what? Amazon's going to have priority over you if there's news. Yep. So actually steering clear of those on product launches is a very good thing to do. Should I be worried about you know, 14 days prior to a funding announcement or a product launch or something, sharing that kind of information with you know an individual ahead of time? I mean, yeah. So you should not share any information that you don't want public until a reporter ag- agrees to embargo. Um, so take a funding announcement, for example. Um, you can say the company name, XX Company, is going to be announcing a seed round on this date with a prominent Silicon Valley venture firm. And then you know you can provide some customer info if it's publicly facing GitHub star, whatever it is, some momentum facts. But until a reporter agrees to embargo, um, you can't expect it to be kept confidential. What is, can, you, can you describe embargo to me? Yeah, so an embargo is a date when a reporter is officially allowed to report on the news. So oftentimes with a press release, you'll say this press release is under embargo until 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time on October 3rd. And so this is like a contract that's in place, or how does it work? Usually it is written. It's actually quite informal. Like okay. It's not uh, something that journalists need to sign. Um, but the journalist says, if they ask for it, you say it's under embargo to this time, and then you're usually okay. Correct. Okay. Um, most journalists will just spin and be like, I mean, it depends on your news. Like For a product launch, you don't sometimes need to be like very strict with a journalist if they come back and say, I'm interested, can I pass? Major news, like it can't hurt to say, please agree, agree to embargo, and a journalist should always say, I agree to embargo. And that right there is enough. It's not a written form, it's an email communication. Do you ever have to worry about them being just like completely broken? Like someone like, that, someone how, not how well regarded is this embargo? Like, 
This is my first launch. I don't. I, I'm doing a lot for it. How much do I have to worry there? First launch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You probably don't have to worry much about your embargo being broken. Um, sometimes it could be a good thing, actually, if it got leaked. But um, for a later stage company, um, you should take it very seriously. But it's usually pretty well upheld. You don't have to worry. Uh, like I've seen yeah. sometimes, you know, where a reporter accidentally went early. They they got the time wrong. Yeah. Some things happen. Days off is usually rare. An hour or two off, you know, it's a little painful. But then they've also, you know, th- reach out to them. Hey, this wasn't supposed to drop. This is supposed yeah. to be under embargo. They'll usually roll it back and and try to make it right. Yeah. So it's okay to give some information ahead of time, but I should exercise some finesse with how I deliver that, just to make sure that if if there is something sensitive, to not spill the beans all at once. Yeah, a little finesse, but like Craig mentioned, there's a good relationship between PR reporters, founders, reporters. Be careful, but they're they're not trying to. Screw you over by any means, especially in the early days. You know your company's not going to be huge news for them, particularly. It's more of your relationship that you like getting them to cover you is great. So you've been on the the PR side for a bit. One thing I've kind of heard from some founders, you know, like can I just do it myself? Can I just pitch them, build a relationship? Which I know a lot of of press, you know, yep. does like the they want to talk to the founder, they want to talk to the product manager, they want to they want to actually hear it from the horse's mouth. But I think there's the other side that's not always kind of valued to the the person that thinks they can create the pitch. That a lot of PR agencies make sure there's a quality, right? Like they're not going to go and pitch a story that's not a real story. So, like there's some value there in working with an agency to help make sure that quality bar is up. Is that about right? And like, how should a PM or a founder or a developer value the PR agency? How should they approach that relationship on on pitching? Well, there's two things. I think in the early days of starting a company, a founder can do their own PR. How how long can they do that for? How big? Depends. Um, depends what there, they do. There, there it is. There yeah. it, is. <laughs> it depends what they need at what they need PR to do for them at that moment in time. I've seen companies that have had zero PR to Series D E and are just killing it. Otherwise, companies that needed that little boost and visibility and have had customer acquisition. So it kind of Definitely varies. Um, it's hard to give a full answer on when you should bring in PR. I think around your first major company launch, seed funding, some advisor help, someone to kind of push you through that. Series A, once you start having some product launches, formal Series A announcement, either someone in-house that's able to run your demand gen marketing function and has PR knowledge, a more senior person, or if you have just small budget agency help at that stage is also appropriate and can be I'll put helpful. you on the spot here and you may not you may not want to name any names. Do you okay. know any like small budget agencies? Like how do I even find one? Like what's a small budget agency? Who do I find them? Like are there yeah. recommendations? I'm sure like I, I can only imagine I don't have a big budget, but I need help. Who do you recommend? So PR agency small budget is very difficult. Under 10K you're not gonna get a ton per month, 10K per month. Between two and five, you can usually get out a product launch, major press release, formal um, announcement. There's boutique tech agencies in the city that will do project-based 10Ks worth of work. Some of those include, I know Method does, Roland Agency, Blanca Notice. So there's a couple, actually a lot, Hotwire. There's a lot of boutiques that will budget 
you have to be careful with the agency model because unless you're a founder who has had experience managing an agency or an in-house person that understands how agencies work and can really harness the power of an agency, you're probably better off either doing it yourself or hiring just one, like a freelance PR specialist hmm. that can get you through that launch at that stage. Yeah, I think we hit on some of that in, in a previous episode around product launches. It's not a silver bullet. Like You have to actually still spend time and if you're unfamiliar with that process, expect to spend some time learning it, right? Um, you still have to refine your pitch and they can definitely help amplify it, but they're not a magic bullet on, on you making sure you have the right message. Correct. Okay, so I've got one last question. Can you tell me if there's anything, you know, for product managers especially, is there anything that they should know when it comes to PR? Because they aren't necessarily the ones that are running the company per se and have that credibility to say, you know, I'm the one that's built this thing, put this out there. And if they're the ones tasked with some kind of launch or doing something else, any advice for them? Yeah, it's rare for them to probably, you know, be the spokesperson on a funding announcement or uh, acquisition. But they're the ones shipping a lot of products. So what what do they need to be thinking about in particular? Yeah, I think product managers should consider PR a weapon for them to use in their own efforts. So as much as they can have a voice in directing the like the messaging that they want and share like what are their pain points when it comes to marketing like where are potential customers falling off the mark and then relaying that back to PR and like hey this is a gap this is how we need to address that with the greater industry resulting coverage hopefully they can use that coverage in their content strategy as a product marketer so i mean my advice would be work as closely together um, so that you could Kind of combine efforts. Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. I think what we were talking about, you know, with actively engaged in the communities, actually being actively engaged with your customers, like makes a good launch. You should be doing this as a product manager, anyways. Like in some sense, it might even be easier to be involved in these communities because you should already be doing it as, as part of your day to day. Well, it, add, it adds that credibility to not only yourself but the products that you're launching, right? By engaging in these communities, and you know, it does give you. An, an edge against other PMs out there who are maybe launching competitive products. Yep. Well, Great. Well, thanks well, for coming thanks on the show today. Me. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you have a PM topic you'd like us to dive into, you can reach us at practicalproduct at heavybit.com or on Twitter at practicalproduct. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 